our musicians are great gifts to us, are they not? I love this season. I love the merry band. I would ask that you take your Bibles. Let's turn to the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi. Malachi chapter 3, or just a few verses of Malachi. Malachi chapter 3. There's an expression that we often use when someone has done something that has been very helpful to us. We say to them, you're an angel, don't we? And we're so thankful for what they've done. It might be a time of need. It might be some information that they've given to us. It might be some coming alongside, protecting us from danger. Whatever the circumstance, they have become an angel to us. Well, the name Malachi, this last book of the Old Testament, literally means my angel or angel of me. You remember a couple of weeks ago we talked about the story of Samuel and Eli. And L-I is God, my God. The I is the possessive part of God, L. And so appropriately, the name of the writer of Malachi has a name which means messenger or angel, and the relationship is possessive. So Malachi is an angel of God. And he brings messages from his God to us. But we know by the name uh, that then this book is going to be about a message from God, right? Just because they called it Malachi after his name. And so God is sending a message to us. It's a primary message. It's one of the most important messages that we receive in all of Scripture. Now, just as Malachi is the last messenger of the Old Testament, he is the, the last Angelion, if you put it into the Greek language and our own English language, he's an angel who has come. After Malachi, there's 400 years of silence between Malachi and Matthew and that last messenger and the first messenger of the new covenant, the new testament, this new order that God is about to do. And so Malachi is the last of the old order, the Old Testament. And he is giving us a message about someone who is going to come to help us prepare for the coming of the Lord, the Messiah, the honored one, the anointed one of God. And so he's going to tell us about a messenger who's going to help us do that. So as we read this, let's receive it as God's word to us. And of course, we have the great perspective of 2,000 years after the fulfillment. This is written about 800 years before, or 400 years before. So Malachi chapter 3, we're going to start with verse 1. God says, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have people who will bring offerings in righteousness. And the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in days gone by as in former years. I keep that open before you. Let's pray. 
Father, we know that in most things in life, it's the preparation that allows the event. We know that you have been preparing your people for literally thousands of years before you sent Jesus. And that this preparation is what we're in now as we're going to celebrate the coming of Christ in the first wonderful Bethlehem experience. We recognize, though, that we're also in a time of preparation for the fulfillment, the second coming, that time when he comes and the completion. We're in this refining season now. We're in this time of preparation in each of our hearts and in each of our communities and in our world as a whole. So be with us. Uh, speak to us individually, each one of us. You, you know where we are in our true relationship with you and with others. So speak, we're listening. And we will respond through the strength of Jesus Christ. Amen. Some of the most beautiful of our Christmas music is based on the prophetic words of the Old Testament. Malachi is no exception to that. We have a simple song, in fact, that we sing that we often don't think of as a Christmas hymn. But it is, in fact, uh, words that come from this Advent text in preparing us for the coming of John the Baptist. We sing, Purify my heart, let me be as gold. And precious silver, purify my heart. Let me be as gold, pure gold. Refiner's fire, my heart's one desire is to be holy, set apart for you, Lord. I choose to be holy, set apart for you, my master, ready to do your will. Now, as you sing that song, you recognize that that's a subjective song. It's a song in which we're speaking to the great refiner who's going to come and we're saying, we're ready. We want to be refined. Purify me. I'm opening my heart to you. But it's interesting that our turning that text is in fact turning the Malachi text upside down. Handel's Messiah speaks of God's perspective in all of this and what is happening in this larger objective reality that the God of the universe, the Holy One, is coming to purify us. And it's going to be a very different experience than just this simple wanting God to change us. Oh, it is like my father's 
juxtaposition of those two songs. Both the subjective, that experience in which we come to the coming of Christ, wanting him to purify us, and the recognition that when God comes, who can stand in the midst of that refining fire, that power that is so pure and so holy that it transforms everything, not just you and not just me, but the world as a whole has never been the same since Jesus Christ, the refiner, has come. Now, we all have our preferences in, in kind of living the Christian life. I've noticed that some of us enjoy the more subjective hymns in which we're, we're wanting God to do something for us. And some of us enjoy God's perspective more in our worship as we try to crawl up beside God and see what it's going to be like from the heavenly perspective and from who, where he is within the world and within our lives. But the truth is that our own personal preference is blended together in the true reality that it's our response to God and it's God's sovereign work that is the true completion of the Christian faith. And that, in fact, this Advent season is all about our preparing and Jesus preparing us. It's all about our being willing to be transformed and God transforming us through the wonder and the power of God Almighty and the triune resources that are ours. And so what he wants to do for us and with us and what we want to experience from him is something that can be very scary in many different ways. Uh, I, I read just recently that the words, be not afraid, don't be afraid, are something that occurs many times within the New Testament. And whenever you read through it, you recognize here when the angels appeared to the shepherds, they say, don't be afraid, it's going to be all right. And yet that's our response often to the refiner's fire. We're afraid when hard things occur and we recognize that we'd rather not face what it is that is in fact going to transform us. But it's those very fires that we walk through that change us, that allow us to remove that contaminant that is so holding us back from fullness with God, or that adulterous kind of element within our worship of God and our faithfulness to others. It's a refining advent that we're a part of during this season. And perhaps it is true both individually for, for each of us and corporately as a family of God, and then throughout all of Christendom, that in fact Christmas is that reminder that all of us are in a process of meeting the refiner and that we should be changed from Christmas to Christmas uh, 
from day to day, from glory to glory. I know that some people get all upset when they see Christmas showing up in the stores before uh, Thanksgiving. And even this year we saw it before uh, Halloween. I, I don't feel that way at all. I'm just so glad everybody's starting to think about Christ, you know. And I'll talk next week about the Christ of Christmas and all that that is. But when it takes time to prepare for the coming of our Lord, regardless of their motivations in doing it all, it causes each of us to stop and prepare and to think about what is coming. We, within the Christian year, take four Sundays. The only other season that takes more time than Advent is Lent, that time of preparing for the confession so that the forgiveness of God at, at Easter is, is fulfilled and completed. Advent is the second longest season as far as the, the Paschal season of Christ. And in this season, we have this preparation for who, who Jesus Christ is and his coming. But why does, why does it take that? Why does it take preparing? Well, Malachi gives us a couple of hints here we want to just look at for a moment. First, and perhaps the most obvious of this, is that he is going to come suddenly. Suddenly. We've been preparing for thousands of years. We've been preparing for four weeks for Christmas. What do we mean by suddenly? Malachi says, Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. Now, it's interesting, in the English language, we don't get the suddenly part of it. For the Lord that we are seeking, he describes in a different kind of terms. In the, in the Hebrew language, it's not the same Lord that is speaking to us. And as you know, in the Old Testament, they did not want to say the name Yahweh. And so they would say, Lord Adonai. And it's in, usually, in some of the versions, it's all capitals. But the same Lord that we are seeking here is Adon. It can be anyone in command. It can just be a captain, a governor, a king, a proprietor, a president, a prince, a priest. Now think about that. Think about what he's saying to us. When we are preparing for Christmas, who are we preparing for? Who are we seeking for some, Christmas is the birth of a great leader. And they love greatness. They're seeking greatness. They think that Jesus was a great human being. And so they seek the one who is coming who will be a great leader of humanity, a great human. But that's very different from the refiner who is coming. And they're going to be very surprised at the suddenly nature of the one who actually comes. Malachi says it this way, But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites, the priests, and will refine them like gold and silver. One of the geniuses, of the many geniuses of C.S. Lewis's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, is that in Narnia, Jesus is represented by a lion. And he says it quite regularly within the book so that you understand that he is not a tame lion. I think often our world, 
and sometimes even us as Christians, think that God is a tame God, a jack-in-the-box, a Santa Claus in the sky, someone who is required to do what we think when we pray. Or putting away such childish kind of thoughts as that, there are many human beings who see God as simply a projection of human aspirations and desires, no different from the Greek gods, where the poets and the storytellers of ancient Greeks created these mega-human beings with all the frailty and, and ambitions and struggles and conflicts that we see within humanity. Or if you want to just limit ourselves to only humanity, the best that we can hope for then is one who will come who will be a great leader, a great president. That's all that we need that will solve the world's problems. Perhaps a world leader even who will lead us into global peace through his or her charisma, intelligence, connections, but as you and I know, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of Israel, is a refiner. He's a God of transformation. A God who recreates us back into his image, his likeness, just as he came in our image and our likeness as a baby. One of the greatest gifts of all of our lives is that God loves us just as we are and he doesn't leave us as we are. Just as we are to love every person and accept them just as they are and then bring them to Jesus so that God, through the power of his Holy Spirit, can change them back into his intended person and the likeness of him. So each of us are refined and we are changed because... Out of his love, he refines us and he allows us to become this tremendous restoration of humanity. We get to do it individually and we get to do it collectively as the kingdom of God and the body of Christ is lived out. So going back to these two songs that I juxtaposed for you, yes, we want to be refined and changed. Yes. Yes, but who can endure that kind of transformation that God has in store for us. It's not just changing a little bit of who we are, it's changing the very core of our heart and life. If Christmas was the end of the story and the baby is born, then we can see how God is willing to become one of us in order for us to identify with and love him and understand his deep and abiding love. But Christmas is not the end of the story. The end occurs at Easter after that excruciating transformation on the cross in which sin and death itself is defeated. Only then, suddenly, he comes again in resurrected form, in the same form that you and I will experience in that day, whether it's today when we go to be with him or in the end of the story, when we're all going to be with him, we will experience a sudden resurrection of the fullness of God. Now, I don't know what you seek. You may be seeking an Adon, a ruler, 
some special person that you think will fix your life, a prince charming or a great president. Or you may be seeking Yahweh and you want him to refine you, to change you, and to transform you. What you seek, you'll find. And it changes the nature of Christmas to allow God to transform us. Being aware, in fact, that evil itself can be destroyed by the refining power of God is one of the great messages throughout all of literature and certainly without scripture itself. Let's open ourselves to God. <laughs> 